Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. A new season of The Bachelor began this week, which means Bachelor Party with Juliet Lippman is back in full swing. She's back twice a week with Monday's show covering each new episode and Thursday's show covering Vanderpump Rules with several appearances from David Jacoby. This week, The Bachelor himself, Peter Weber, joins Juliet to talk about the season ahead. You can subscribe to Bachelor Party wherever you get your podcasts and join the Bachelor Party Facebook group for insights, gossip, breaking news, and more. Welcome to Jam Session, the first of 2020. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbin. Happy New Year, Amanda. Happy New Decade, Juliette. It's January 7th, though you're listening to this on January 8th. I feel today is the last day that you can say Happy New Year. Really? Yeah, because it's like, it's the second week of the year next as of tomorrow. I guess so, but it, because New Year's Day was on a Wednesday, it, there was kind of like a, a half, a warm-up half true. week. We're so, so screwed in 2020, it's going to be two Fridays. Really? Yeah, because of Leap Day. What? Yeah, so it'll be not. I'm just lying go- about this right now. This I'm is, so sorry. Uh, I was feeling positive about the year and it's over. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, it was a very long layoff. A lot of celebrity news in the last couple of weeks. We'll t- hit some of the big ones on the Ski Podcast. Yes, we will. Also, we, you and I haven't really discussed the Golden Globe, so I, well, we can discuss it a little okay. bit later. Yeah, I think that's great. Hopefully you did listen to the Ringer Dish episode, you, the audience, about the Golden Globes. We covered the hottest topics, I think. Where did you stand on Gwyneth Paltrow's dress? I She's so beautiful. She can wear a, a weird piece of uh, She can, lace. but should she? I, I honestly didn't mind it. I was like, well, <laughs> you, you look Kelly. Nice. Here's the thing, is that people like Gwyneth Paltrow— exist in an aesthetic sense to, to take just, risks to take risks and to wear weird stuff. Yeah. And it I, I didn't mind it. That's very generous. That's yeah. very, very gracious of you. How lovely. You are positive. This is great. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of Gwyneth Paltrow, sure. I have to say I have really no interest in the Netflix series because the Me the neither. the What's it about? I saw the Georgia O'Keefe ripoff yeah, which you know what I again I like that she's being bold. Sure, and the vagina imagery. Sure, she's grabbing people's attention. Also, vaginas are great, but uh, it's the kind. It's called the Goop Lab, and it's the part of Goop that's interviewing like wellness experts and mm. other doctors, and like they're sending other people in the Goop universe to like take mushrooms and stuff to talk about you know microdosing or whatever the correct chemical sure. terminology is for expanding your mind via new substances. Hallucinogenics. Yes, thank you. I That is not the part of goop that I'm particularly interested in. I'm over wellness in, okay. ge- in general. I don't know if I'm over wellness. I just told you I'm getting really into beans this year. So well, that's like normal. I mean, <laughs> is, it, is it normal to be like, hey, Juliet, I'm getting into beans I this think year? It, I think it is, yes. Okay. Beans are as old as Hans Christian Andersen, you know? I think they're much older. Yes. They're part of like the the fabric of the earliest societies. Yeah, so that's like pretty time-tested beans. Okay. Like, good for you. Yeah. I hope that you find your beanstalk. Thanks. I did also, I, I said that I was over goop and wellness, but I did consult the website last night because I bought a new, like a face sculpting oh, tool, you know? One of those brushes? So not one of the rollers. Got it. I got a mechanism that I believe is supposed to enable you to do gua sha at home, which is like a Never heard of that old Chinese before. ritual, but it, it's kind of, it's like a, a crystal that you uh, oh my massage your face with. It's a crystal. You should have led with that. Well, I don't know if it actually is a crystal. I should have researched this. I it didn't know crystal. that I was going to talk about this on this <laughs> podcast, but I was, I was researching uh, how to, the appropriate way to use it so I wouldn't like blind myself. 
because you you get up near your eye and you got to be pretty gentle about it. Lovely. And then I watched some Instagram videos, so I'm not out on all of it. It's just I would prefer Gwyneth Paltrow to be doing a different type of Netflix show. Do a new travel show without Mario Batali. How about that? Mm. Interesting. Gwyneth glows places that I would like to go. She should just be the permanent co-host of Chef with John Favreau. Okay, that the would chef, be great. The chef show. Yes, sorry. <laughs> chef like... something different, I think. Yes, it was. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Big friend hang happening in the Caribbean over the weekend. Honestly, would you? It's not as protracted. It's not as showy. But I think it might be more expensive to go to the Caribbean on your yacht around Christmas and New Year's than it is to be in the Mediterranean on your yacht. That's just a hunch I have, unproven, but. I just want to say, shit was popping in the Caribbean, centered on St. Bart's. I think that's true, just from a weather perspective. Yeah. The Mediterranean is not as warm this time of year. Oh, I mean Mediterranean in the summer versus oh, St. Bart's okay. right now. I was like, the, yeah, two, I was, the two seasons. Yeah, you're no. going to the Mediterranean right now, I, mean, I think it is very beautiful. I recently watched The Terror, so everything related to seafaring I now think about. It's like if you get stuck in the ice. Which is like, yes, this is a commentary from 2018. Sorry. Okay. But anyway, just thinking about if you get stuck in the Mediterranean— in like, you know, 50 degree cloudy weather, that mm-hmm. would be a real bummer. That's why the celebrities, they all had their yachts taken to St. Bart's. And Anguilla is another particularly like huge celebrity hotspot right now. Mm-hmm. And Harry Styles, Adele, and James Corden were all seen hanging out together there, particularly a lot of hang time between Harry Styles and Adele. Yes. And a lot of photos of them in the Daily Mail and Page Six. They went out for a meal, a celebratory meal for the new year. They left a, a tip for $2,020. Very nice. That's great. Seems like the kind of thing Harry Styles would do, so I buy it. Yeah. And did you feel there was an implication in these stories that Adele and Harry Styles were dating? I certainly read blog posts to that effect. Another thing in 2020 is that I'm really back into reading blogs. Great. Because I'm doing less social media because I, I don't need it. So now I'm reading a lot of blogs. So I did read some blog posts that were like, they might be dating. Or other people, particularly on social media, are seeing these pictures together and think that they are dating. I would be absolutely stunned if they were dating. I do think some of the interest here is what you pointed out a few podcasts ago, which is just we don't see Adele that much. Yeah. And so when you get an Adele sighting— it is, it's very exciting. And when she's in the orbit of another very famous person with a huge following, it just, people, people start casting aspersions. People get overexcited. I'm going to predict new music from Adele in 2020 okay. and a lot more Adele in 2020, just her out there. I think I texted this to you. I feel like she's kind of on rumspringer right now. Yeah. She's just like testing things out, back going to parties, going to concerts with people she likes. She's actually living the celebrity life, divorcee Adele. Yeah. And... I really support it. I, I really, really support her. She's about 30 now. And I feel like it's like a good time to kind of indulge in in the celebrity that your talent affords you, Adele, because I feel like unlike being 25, where it's very easy to be led astray, you just have a lot more sense, particularly her, who is a mother and a divorce. Like she's lived a lot of life. So it's a great time to be making bold choices and being back in front of the cameras and hopefully behind the microphone because I'd love some new tunes. It's a great point. In addition to uh, being extremely successful and and presumably quite wealthy, I've, I've seen some of her real estate offerings, so I think I can say that with confidence. If, if Ed Sheeran weren't around, she would hands right. down be like the most successful British pop star of, of the last decade. She is also married and divorced and slightly older and presumably has a 
slightly firmer sense of herself that yeah. as as you do get as one does when they turn when you 30. age yeah. yeah and they do say that's why you should have kids really early so then you can just be 38 and be like I got this uh, that didn't happen for any of, anybody on this podcast but uh <laughs> congrats to Adele thriving in 2020 I just want to say she's definitely not dating Harry Styles I okay. I don't have any like intel but like I just as an Adele connoisseur and a pretty big Harry Styles fan there's just literally uh, there's no chance so there was a lot of like Zapruder or is it Zapruder or Zapruder? How um, do you say it? I say Zapruder film. Zapruder like uh, analysis of the the bandana mm-hmm. that is uh, Harry Styles bandana and that Adele was wearing around her neck she in pro- one photograph. She probably is like cool bandana. Can I wear it? Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> that that is also my reading is that it is possible to exchange material goods among friends, especially when you're on vacation in a convivial environment. I have many of my male friends like clothing that I'm just like I like that. May I have it? That's a great move. I don't really have any male friends who have clothing items that I would want, so I haven't done that. But in general, a, a, I support the attitude and approach. In this hoodie age where there's just so many hoodies available to all people all the time, I still think men get better ones than women. In what sense? Fit or design? Both. Yeah. I just like love a lot of like hip male sweatshirts. Okay. From like... Like the champion limited limited edition ones, and then of course I have my Paris sweatshirt yeah. from Nike. Counterpoint for Christmas, I gave my husband a women's J. Crew fleece. Oh, I love those the like the, the, the very fuzzy ones. one with yeah. the giant buttons uh-huh. that was very snazzy. But I was like, you know what? I think that this would work. What uh, color? It was a. It's kind of a, a tan. Oh, tan yeah. sounds it's boring, but no, it's like it's, a vibrant tan. Yes. How about it's that? Sort of like like I'm in the woods. Yeah, and I look good. Tan. And they didn't have an offering, a similar offering on the men's side. So I was like, I'm I'm doing this. I have to say it looks great on them. It's a great fit. <laughs> so um, I also just want to note James Corden is really becoming like where the axes of power meet. Yes. He also like somehow is the only person who's evaded all criticism for being in cats by being a part of the criticism, which I think is actually like a dick move. He like it was making fun of cats. And I guess, I don't know, distance yourself from the work if you don't like it, but just kind of weird. I don't want to get too far down the cat's rabbit hole for many reasons, including that it was one of the most traumatic movie-going experiences of 2018 for me. You should have seen it high. And also, I didn't think that I could do that for work. You couldn't. That's correct. Uh, I agree. Oh, thank you for your support. Also, I have more to say about T.S. Eliot later in this podcast, so we'll keep it brief. But there was a debacle over the VFX effects in Cats, and there were two versions released. And I believe that the edits were made to James Corden's character. Oh, wow. So he, in many ways, was the center of the problem. Oh, wow. But in that sense, it was— it was the effects. So he was kind of a victim of, of the movie. So wow. he can escape. So he's he is the damage. It's not even collateral. I guess so. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so maybe he has a right to say that. I don't know. I just feel like James Corden is like, it feels like he's going for world domination. And, and he's moving along apace. It's kind of crazy to me. Because I've been a fan since the teacher's days. And I really liked A League of Their Own when he was just the host in England. And... I don't know. Now he's just like super famous, involved in everything. He does seem fun to hang out with. I would love to hang out with him. Yeah. I think that we should. <laughs> my 2020 goal is for you to do a carpool karaoke. Oh, my God. That would be great. Wow. No, he did. We I mean, could do show tunes together, me and James Corden. That would be. I would watch it because I'm your friend. And uh, in any other context with anybody else, I wouldn't watch it. But you, yes. He, but he just has that. He has that friendly 
yeah, amiable super approachable. Vibe. It's it's kind of it's Ellen, but for a younger generation. Yes, totally. That's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Another couple that is real, confirmed to be real, unlike Harry and Adele, Bill Hader and Rachel Bilson. Just a pre-Christmas heat rock of a couple. So let's go through the timeline here. They were spotted in Oklahoma. Yes, where his family's from. Over Christmas Mm -hmm. at a a Starbucks. If you've been a follower of Bill Simmons' work for a while, you knew he's from Oklahoma as he's like the kind of the most famous Thunder Mm -hmm. fan and kind of like one of the only famous, famous people from Oklahoma. I didn't know that he was a famous Thunder fan, but... Well, it's just there aren't that many. It's not hard, hard to be the okay. famous Thunder fan. But Bill's kind of put him in that position several times over the last few okay, years. Okay, great. Anyway, they we those photographs were circulating, and I think you and I were on a text chain about yes. it. And then I think they, TMZ broke it. They were photos that like just a rando had taken in the coffee shop. What do you think TMZ paid for those pics? $1,000? Oh, I was going to go with like ten. They only paid $5,000 for the Beyonce and Jay-Z elevator video. I know. I understand inflation is real. (laughs) And also that people have wised up about the value of their photographs. But I also just, I think maybe it was, a thousand might be high. Yeah. Which is not to say anything about Bill Hader or Rachel Bilson or their values. People also, frankly, you know, they were just trying to have time with their in-laws or their parents in Oklahoma It's pretty Christmas. invasive. I feel bad yeah. for them. It's like they're not on Melrose, you know. They're in Oklahoma yeah, well, getting coffee. But anyway, they responded to this by they walked the red carpet at the yeah. Golden Globes together. I was surprised by that. Apparently, she said—I think this is information from Amy Kaufman's Instagram or Twitter feed. She said that she was surprised people cared about them so much and that she was going to get—I uh, said this on Monday. She was going to get Bill Hader to watch The Bachelor. So— Great. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's interesting. Like, she's obviously really famous, but I, I think that she doesn't have, like, a fame complex at all. I don't know. I think she kind of conducts herself like a normal person in a famous person's world. That seems right. It is the natural thing to do. I I was surprised because normally— Well, he's nominated, so he was going to get a lot of attention. Right. And normally couples like this do try to avoid that attention, especially in the early phases and especially when they're, like, very invasive photographs published. And so if you're—if you want to avoid or not encourage that attention, you try to hide out. But I I think they had the right strategy of just kind of like, yes, yes, here we go. They looked great. Yeah, they did. And now we're just all living in a Bill Hader and Rachel Bilson world. There we go. Who do you think is more famous of the two? Bill Hader. By a lot? Uh, yes, probably. Because... Barry's really popular. And, I mean, SNL. Right, Stefan is really big. And so over a longer period of time, he was in view of of a broader audience. Yeah. They met on a film that his ex-wife directed. Mm-hmm. In, but in 2013, I believe. Yeah. So they've probably just known each other for a long time. I think that sounds right. Congratulations, guys! New year, new love. Fantastic. On the topic of the Golden Globes, the biggest revelation that, like, we should have expected was just how hot Brad Pitt is. And I was astonished. I was just so enthralled. And I his his beauty was just overwhelming. And he just, like, looked so much better than everyone else. Men, women, everyone. It, I agree with this. It was incredible. And then he started speaking his expect, acceptance speech for winning for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I was like, eh, liked it better when he was silent. I... That's you're right. You told me this right before we started podcasting, and I said, save it for the podcast. I didn't respond that way. What I, was your response? I basically become speechless around Brad Pitt. I find his—obviously, he's one of the most physically beautiful people on the planet, and that is part of his appeal, and that's why he's a great movie star, because you just— every single frame, you're just like, oh, my God, look at that person. You know what's unfair about Brad Pitt, among many things? I just think that 
he has been able to age in a way that, like, no one else, men or women, are able to. Like, even if he has hair plugs or whatever, or he's and there's always a rumor that he got some chin work done, which led to his beard phase, there's very little evidence of, like, oh, I think he did this, this, and this, which, like, we comment on all the time. And I'm just like, he just makes it seem so graceful. It's so unfair. I think it's only unfair because we do pay more attention to women who yeah. do that work. But, and, and but we, men, and, too. And, like— and we do. A but lot of men, a lot of male hair commentary for me. That is true. But I, I did want to acknowledge that double standard that I sometimes participate in. But otherwise, I don't really think it's unfair. I just think we have to accept the <laughs> gift of Brad Pitt. Like, Brad Pitt is it's one of a kind. He's accept. He is exceptional he is. He is. in every single way. And for the next five weeks, he's going to be out and about speaking and doing podcasts and being charming. And I have to say, his vibe is so powerful to me, and I want to be near it. And he's so cool. He might be the coolest person alive. Um, I, I can't. How did he compare it to Leonardo DiCaprio? LDC's coolness on Mark Maron's podcast. So I'm, thank you so much. I listened to the Mark Maron podcast. Featuring Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. I have to say, I'm not a regular Mark Maron listener. Nor am I. But Once I, in a while. I really enjoyed this. Number one thing that was great about it is that it, Brad Pitt is a huge Mark Maron fan. Oh, cool. And makes that apparent very early. And he's just like, I'm so psyched to be here. And starts telling Mark Maron about his sh- what he liked about his show. And Brad Pitt it keeps being like, when are you going to freak out to Mark Maron? Like, he's participating in the vibe of the podcast uh-huh. and, the, and the show and knows the rules and is really excited to be there. And that adds, like, a whole other dimension. Because, you know, not only is he very game, but— you can hear him being excited and sure. kind of nerding out in real time. It gives him a looser quality. He is definitely the vibes guy. But that also kind of loosens up LDC, as we're calling him now and forever. I just want to know, I don't think Leonardo DiCaprio knew that he was LDC. <laughs> <laughs> just just my take. I think he probably figured it out. But Sure. But I think yeah. it took him a minute. <laughs> in the same way that it took Jennifer Aniston a minute to understand the, the Titanic, Titanic joke, joke because Reese Witherspoon had to explain it to her. It's so good. I, I can't say that I enjoyed all of the Golden Globes telecast, but those two minutes were chef's kiss fantastic. Any big Brad revelations on, on Marin? So, you know, yes and no. It is, it's more about the experience and actually getting to hang out in a room listening to Brad Pitt tell stories sure. about, you know— the, And that's the Marin show. It's exactly. Experience. Like the Fight Club premiere or— the how you know when a movie's bad or how he got really into art. And, you know, he's talking about how the last time he saw Mark Maron was at an art exhibition here in Los Angeles. I, if I had to guess, I think it was like uh, not Fringe LA, but the one that was on the Paramount Freeze. lot. Freeze LA. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Freeze LA because it was held on the Paramount lot. And Mark Maron is no, was there because his now ex-girlfriend – uh, was an artist and had a booth there. And Brad Pitt gets really involved into interested in Mark Maron's relationship to her art and to that whole art world. He kind of is investigating other people's personal lives. When he's talking about himself, he is very clever about not using specifics. Mm. He does refer to his disaster of a personal life, but he doesn't expound on that. Mark Maron asks him to explain what's interesting to him about art. And it's, you know, all in really general terms. Does he reference his children at all? He does not. I think Mark Maron actually even brings them up at some point. And he very graciously, like, acknowledges but steers the conversation away from it. 
That's a fascinating one to me is his relationship with his kids, which he's clearly really protective of. Yes. Um, understandably. Yeah, definitely. Did Leo get to speak at all? He does, and he's really good. He tells, you know, one of the most fascinating parts is when they're talking about paparazzi. Mm. And Leo's relationship to them after Titanic. Oh, interesting. And I gotta then, listen. This yeah, and then, and then and the relationship to them now, and uh, Leo reveals that he has a little bit more of a break with paparazzi. They'll follow him, especially when he's promoting, promoting a movie, but he feels he can go out in the world. And Brad's like, now I'm mad at you. And they talk about strategies mm. and things that don't work for avoiding paparazzi and how they think about their lives. And, they're, you know, having them together, they clearly have a relationship. And so yeah. Leo becomes a bit looser than he typically is in interviews. Right. Um, yeah, because they're, they're both usually pretty boring in interviews because they know yeah. not to say anything. Yeah. But they both are clearly excited to be talking to Mark Marin and are excited to be talking to each other. That's how you know you've really made it. I mean, like, Bill is very similar, too, like— when you get to a certain level, people know you and your work and your show. And, like, Howard Stern, obviously. Yeah, and I right. Think, and I think Andy Cohen is there, too. Yes. And, like, I think Ellen, too, although it's kind of a different forum. Right. It's it's not as— Way as more playful. Pers- well, the Ellen stuff just doesn't get as intimate. Yes. Because it's but, the nature of the media. But they come in expecting to reveal stuff because they know what they're getting into. Yeah. And, you know, it is—it's really fascinating. Leo and Brad Pitt are also both, like, extremely established stars. And so they— they're giving you enough without giving you anything really, really personal. Right. And, they're, you know, there are great anecdotes. They talk about how they both don't want to be directors. And there's, like, Leo just yelling, like, leave me alone, which I related to on such a deep level. Like, I want <laughs> Kaya to cut it out and just, like, play it in this podcast. It's, like, my life motto. But, you know, they, they know what to give and what to protect. And that that's a real skill. It is a skill. Yeah. Well, I'm going to listen. You've sold me. I, I really enjoyed I like, it. This sounds like a pass. They're boring. What, but if you listen to this and are still like, I don't want to hear Brad Pitt talk, then we should interrogate that. Okay. I want to hear him talk, even though it makes me uh, have difficulty forming words because I'm so just uh, flustered by, by the experience that is Brad Pitt. I find that when I get to know really attractive people. Mm-hmm. The reality of it is, like, not that fun. I'm like, and I'm just sort of like, okay, so you're a real human, just like me. Yeah, but I think that is true for most people. But I kind of, like, Brad Pitt, again, is the exception. I'm going to get in so much trouble. I feel like everyone is like, every time you guys talk about Brad Pitt, this podcast gets weird. And then we just brought it to 2020. But you know what? Brad Pitt's for, Brad Pitt is giving. Yeah, seriously. There we go. Whatever. Um, Let's move on to another mega celebrity to us. And the city of New York might end there. Chloe Sevigny, 45 years old and pregnant. Congratulations! With her boyfriend. TMZ broke this one today. Just an absolute win for everyone because Chloe Sevigny is one of the best celebs we've ever had. And a win for the Knicks. They've got a new fan. (laughs) And I'm really excited about it. Also, I don't know if you saw the photo set of— Oh, I did. —of Greta and Noah— and Noah's one of Noah's sons at the Knicks courtside. Yes. And I felt that Greta Gerwig was kind of on Chloe Sevigny's corner. And I was like, interesting. We've got a new Knicks super fan. Move over, Katie Holmes. Move over, Chloe Sevigny. Greta Gerwig is here. And I'm just excited to have some Chloe Sevigny news, just for some reason to talk about her. You really felt like Greta was threatening? I just thought it was, like, Noah Bombach being very interested in it, taking his son, and Greta being a supportive stepmom slash I just, I, elder figure sure. in the kid's life. Oh, yeah. I just I just felt like, you know, you can really only celebrate so many expressive faces at a Knicks game. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of contenders. 
And That's true. we also got Sophie Turner. That's true. But Chloe is forever number one. It's true. I mean, she's she's the ultimate New York celebrity. But she, I'm just really excited for her. She looks very happy in these photographs. She does. So that's great. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations to her. Um, it's one of our favorite times of the year. Steven Soderbergh has released his media diary for 2019. It's everything seen and read in 2019. And as per usual, he's watching Below Deck, and he can't be stopped. There was one week um, from the end of October to the beginning of uh, November where he basically only watched Below Deck. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh, I would love to discuss this with you. I want to know if you're more of a Captain Sandy or a Captain Lee kind of guy. Just phenomenal. Steven Soderbergh seems like he's got a great life. This is my favorite day of the year. I feel like this is when I know who my real friends are. Because they also care. Yeah. And because, like, you and I were slacking about it. Chris Ryan is in the mix. My husband woke up and was just like, did you know that there are five different Agatha Christie mentions (laughs) on this this list? Which is, like, how you know that love is real. Incredible. I'm getting texts from people. But, I mean— I also feel like Steven Soderbergh is my friend, even though I have never met him. But this list is always so both, like, thorough and curious and engaged and unexpected. And, yeah, it's also, like, both very high, very low, and very middle. Like, he just—he covers all ground when it comes to culture. It's really impressive. We're both huge fans of his work. I loved The Laundromat. He's one of my favorite working directors. Yeah, absolutely. Ocean's Eleven's, like, one of the best movies of all time, and he certainly found the right light for Brad Pitt in that one. And it's just, like— it's just really exciting when someone whose work you admire clearly is like a curious mind who wants to take in similar culture to you. And just the way that he presented it in like a kind of very stylized, old school typewriter font mm-hmm. with a lot of questions. Like when he puts the books in, Chris mentioned this and we ask it every year. Is it the day he started a book or the day he finished a book? Did he read the whole thing? I think it's the day he finishes a book. Mm. Just based on the, I, I don't think that he's giving himself advance credit. I think he's writing it down when he's finished it. I mean, my guy is that out tracks. here reading Sally Rooney and Gia Tolentino and Ronan Farrow. I, you love to see it. Absolutely. It's really, it's like genuinely exciting and like gives you hope for the kind of kinds of people who are out there. It's similar to the Obama list where you're like, this is awesome. This is really varied. Yeah. But this is way more extensive. I was talking about this with Chris and I'll pose this to you. Do you make a list like this? No, I do not. How do you think your list would turn out? And would you feel comfortable publishing it? Um, it's basically my number one requested content in my life is sure. your— Me personally or Your ones? content diary. And, like, honestly, you could just do YouTube. <laughs> you could, If you just wrote down every YouTube video that you watched for a year, that would, like, be a masterpiece. I mean, yeah, it would be, like, so weird. Like, I have literally have spent the last, like, 20 days, last, like, 15 days, I guess, two weeks, almost exclusively consuming Jonathan Groff content. Like, almost exclusively. But it's, number one, like, God bless you. And <laughs> like, I've been listening to the outtakes from the Frozen 2 soundtrack. I, you know what? Great. That's what YouTube is for. I watch every clip from his Frozen 2 press tour. I think Jonathan Groff is very talented and charming. I started and watching Mindhunter. That's, there you go. So, <laughs> so did Steven Soderbergh. But here's the thing is that, number one, I mean, that's just hilarious. But also— <laughs> I saw a little shop of horrors of Jonathan Groff, and if, it was amazing. If you kept a full list, you really could see the patterns. It would be a diary of a life lived as well that's as— That's so beautiful. Don't you think? Yeah, no, definitely. I yeah, I mean— do it. Okay, I'll try. Okay. I actually once tried to do this with YouTube, but, like, it just—I I watch so many per day. Also, I have, like, a—I have—I'm, like, um— 
I like can't function without background noise. So I wake up and I turn on music or like I wake up and I turn on TV. Like there's just like something. So I have so much happening all the time, but okay. it's just like it's just like a lot of ambient it's ambient noise for me. I do feel like someone somewhere could probably code something that just pulled every YouTube video from your yeah. account. It's also like all through my phone, right? Like my my yeah. Spotify, YouTube, like it's all all through that. Okay. But I'll try, Amanda. Thank you. <laughs> Start, I look forward to starting it. on today. Then, um then. I also just want to note. On June 2nd, he watched The Laundromat, his own film. He watches it a couple times. Yeah. I assume he's doing, like, different cuts or whatever. Yeah, or, it was really good. Yeah. My favorite is, um, well, there are a lot. I really enjoy, his, as you mentioned, I appreciate his commitment to uh, Below Deck and also The Social Network, which is, I believe, only on here once, but is on this list every year because he loves it as much as everybody else. I think in through all of the um, end-of-decade content, somehow The Social Network was still underappreciated. Well, I think it's 10 years, actually, this year, 2010, right. is the 10-year anniversary. So I, I, I think we'll get a lot of it. Going hard. I, if I would guess. Mark! It's it's the best movie. The other thing I just want to point out is at uh, the end of July, when he watches so many Too Old to Die Youngs. So which, many. Not my cup of tea. And then does the chaser with the souvenir. The and, re- a, and an episode of Below Deck. The reason we love this is also because we really— just have so much um, affection and uh, admiration for Chris Ryan, and it's so much like what Chris Ryan would it take really in, is. in a year. <laughs> yeah, except for I do not think that Chris Ryan has seen the souvenir yet. So, Chris, get on the souvenir. Nor has he seen Below Deck, but he did get into Vanderpump Rules in 2019. So, okay. So there's that. Below Deck is great. I just, Steven Soderbergh, thank you so much for acknowledging what a great show it is. It's just very, it's a, it's a exciting, it's just an exciting document. And he's, he's And lucky. great recommendations. Also, he clearly, you know, he, I was excited to see he had Sunset Boulevard on here. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. He also had All About Eve. He had a real, like, classics movie phase this year. Yeah, he's always going, he, which makes sense. I think directors do go back and, yeah. like, watch all types of films in order to inform their work. But it is interesting to see how he actually consumes things. Because yeah. he is such a great director and a vibrant mind. But it is also reassuring that you can just go back and rewatch The Social Network every three months. And you, too, can be <laughs> Steven Soderbergh. You, you <laughs> Gives too. me hope. <laughs> It is really quite beautiful. All righty. Lastly, there was a T.S. Eliot situation online that Amanda will now explain. All right. This was on January 2nd, okay? New Year, really old gossip, came back. And I, like I said, I have been easing off of social media, so it took me a while to catch up with all the tweets on this. But So apparently, as a part of T.S. Eliot's archive at Princeton, um, there was a... a set of letters donated 50 years ago by someone who T.S. Eliot knew and maybe had an affair with, okay? Yes. And 50 years ago, she was like, I'm giving my letters from you to the archive. And T.S. Eliot found out about this and was like, I will write my own letter to accompany this this set of letters to be presented in tandem. So when this person, who I may or may not had an affair with... (laughs) Letters are published. You will also publish my statement concerning this material. And so they did because the 50 years expired on January 2nd. And it is like the most incredible, like, you mad letter that I have ever read. (laughs) It is the, it's, this guy is so angry and is just like, basically, it's a scorching extended letter of being like, I didn't love this person. I thought I did. Everything in the letters is false. I'm so glad I didn't marry her. My life would have been completely 
different and I would have been a terrible poet. And then just, and it was like, and please publish this. It's the most incredible cell phone I've ever seen in my entire life. It's also just like dark. It's just it's dark. so screwed up. And obviously yeah. T.S. Eliot was an extremely complicated person with some not great political views. But like, it's just confirming what an asshole he was. Incredible. It's tremendous. Incredible. Actually, this is, reminds me of, I think, a we haven't discussed this, but I think this is going to be a shared resolution for us for 2020, which is to go along with continuing to read books and share them on this podcast. Getting back into literary feuds and seeking them out. Yes! I just, there's nothing better than a, than a like a low stakes, high vitriol literary feud. And I'll just say that my interest in this was really piqued when I read the review of Fleischman is in Trouble in the London Review of Books by Emily Gould. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if there's an actual feud going on, but I would assume there is based on how that review was written, but also gave away the entire book. And so and also as someone who has read the review and not the book, made the book sound absolutely preposterous. Yeah, it did. Not even, not even insufferable. I was just like, what is happening? Is this real? Nevertheless. This is the kind of content I crave. I'm looking for, like I said, low stakes, high vitriol. So just come come at me with your fights where no one's actually going to get hurt. Or if you are going to have a literary, uh, academic archive of anything, start your feud now, publish it, and the people from 50 years from now are going to be so psyched. Write this letters and don't send them. This is so, it was wild. Can One more thing on the book tip yes. before we go. Okay, so... um. I am the proud first-time owner of an iPad. Congrats. Thank you so much. It's amazing. You want to know that, and I told you this already, but I the number one thing I discovered, recommended to me by my sister-in-law, was is Libby, the library app. So you're just checking books out of the library, and they're instantly on your iPad? My mom's and, really into this with her Kindle. She's a big NYPL library Kindle user. Listen, support authors, you know, buy books that— Support libraries. Support, but also support libraries. But also, I just honestly couldn't believe—it really did, does feel like theft. I just get all of these free books instantly on my iPad, and then I read them. Are you kidding me? I'm really like, happy technology for Technology is fucking amazing. Amanda's discovered the library. It's like, goodbye <laughs> social media, hello library. My 2020 is going to be incredible. I'm so happy for you. There we go. That's a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much. Everybody, go to your local library or access it on your smartphone or tablet. Uh, We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. 